0: As a dad of four boys, one thing I'm familiar with is uh, dirty feet. Um, I saw somebody's picture a couple days ago with some dirty feet walking out in the yard. So I guess it's not just a boy thing that, uh, that little boys have dirty feet. But it's not the dirty feet that's the problem. That, you know, no one cares about the dirty feet. It's coming in the house with dirty feet. Well, that's the problem, and dirty feet on the carpet, and dirty feet on the furniture, and tracking dirt across the floor. Um, that's the problem. Uh, that that with the, with the dirty feet, you get di- you get dirt everywhere, and it's not just a problem for one generation, but we know that here in the scriptures, it was it was an issue too, because that's why they had, that's why people washed their feet, because they were they were dirty walking around uh, Israel in the, the dirt, and the desert, and the wilderness, and not having shoes and socks, but walking around either barefoot or with sandals, your feet were going to be dirty. And you're going to come into the house and your feet were going to be dirty. And Imagine going out to the sheep pen and taking care of the sheep in sandals and going out and taking care of the livestock in, in sandals and, and barefoot. Well, they'd, ha- they'd have dirty feet, wouldn't they? And so uh, it was a common practice for people um, when they came in the house to wash their feet. Um, I think the last time I heard Dan Phillips preach was here um, at this at this church, probably 20 years ago, I think, and it was a Bible conference, and he preached on foot washing, whether or not it was an ordinance for today. And he preached on this text and, and talked about whether or not when Jesus said this is an example, or if he meant that we ought to be washing each other's feet, um, like we take the Lord's supper. Well, I was happy to hear that he didn't say that it was an ordinance, because I certainly wouldn't like the idea of that, um, to, to wash another person's feet. So what's the point of the passage? Why did Jesus tell us this? Well, that's what I want to preach on this morning. Uh, what is the significance of this passage um, of the washing of the feet? Jesus washes his disciples' feet. and So what's the point of this? Well, we're going to see, Lord willing, in the work of Christ... The example of Christ and joy in Christ from this passage, and to open up what the Lord is telling us here in this in this passage. The most the the important part of this to understand what what the text is about is those first three verses, because John isn't just telling the story. John is putting a preface. To this second half of the Gospel of John. So chapter 13 deals with about the last week of the life of Jesus. The first twelve chapters are three years. The last, starting in chapter 13, is a week. And John prefaces this with those three verses: why Jesus and He's he's giving us some insight into what's going on. he, he steps into the, the story as the narrator and tells us what's happening. Jesus knew his hour had come. The time of his death had arrived. Jesus had fulfilled all righteousness, all the prophecies. Thus far had come to pass. The appointed hour had arrived. The Passover supper was over. And the devil had put it into the heart of Judas to betray the Lord. And he decided that he could go as far as he could with Judas or with Jesus And now he's going to sell him out. What Judas was about to do was out of hatred and malice, but everything that Jesus is about to do was out of love. And that's what we find there in the first three verses. So keep these truths in mind as we go into this passage. Now, culturally, we're also just going to have to keep in mind that culturally, it's just a different practice than what we're used to. And... The fact that washing feet was happening wasn't a shock that it would be for us. So if you came to my house and I got um, a tub of water out and brought it over and set it down by your feet, you'd probably look at me kind of funny um, because that would be unheard of, right? But it was not unheard of in the Bible times. Holman Bible Dictionary says, foot washing was an act necessary for comfort and cleanliness for anybody who traveled dusty Palestine roads with feet shodden. Uh, sandals. Customarily, a host provided guests with water for washing their own feet. So, um, if you look over, or I'll turn, you can listen to Luke chapter 7, verse 44. Um, When the woman washed Jesus' feet, he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See, Silas, woman, I entered thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. And then in the Old Testament it's the same thing in, in Judges nineteen twenty one, where the, the guests would provide a basin for the people to wash their own feet. So you know, if you, walked, if you had to walk to my house, you'd be tired by the time you got there. And if you walked in sandals, your feet would be dirty and and achy and tired and it was just a an act of uh, hospitality, of comfort, of cleanliness. Sit you know, you you come in, you can wash the dirt off your feet. And and wash the road off your feet, so to speak, and, and sit down and relax in in cleanliness. Foot washing, the dictionary went on to say, it was regarded as so lowly a task that it could not even be required of a Hebrew slave. So this is going by some uh, some history outside the Bible. In the context of the statement of John the Baptist saying he was unworthy to tie the sandal of the one coming after him indicates great humility. So the woman who was washing the feet of Jesus was not just doing a regular task of hospitality, but it was evidence of her love and humility towards the Lord. So... Um, So it wasn't that every time you came to somebody's house, somebody would wash your feet, but um, customarily um, that you'd wash your own feet. But if somebody had a slave or a servant, they might come and and have the servant wash the feet or, or something like that, or somebody might volunteer to do it. In other words, it was a menial task. It was not one that people would line up to do. So if you ever read that and thought, well, I wouldn't really want to wash somebody's feet. Well, the disciples wouldn't have wanted to do it either. It's not like this was just some wonderful thing that people would do. Um, It was a menial task. To to wash somebody else's feet. Most of the time, like I said, people just do it themselves. So the wonder isn't that feet were washed, but it was the wonder of it all is Christ was doing the washing. Well, verse number three is important here. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. Now, Don't listen to anybody that says Jesus didn't know who he was or didn't know that he was the Son of God and that kind of thing. Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was the Son of God. He knew that he had come from the Father. He knew the honored, honor and authority he had as the mediator. He knew the, the dignity that he had as the eternal son of God, the word made flesh. Previously in John, we saw where John tied, uh, showed that Jesus was the one Isaiah spoke of. In Isaiah chapter 6, where the angels gathered round and covered their their face and their feet and cried out, holy, holy, holy. Jesus knew he had come from God, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. He knew that he was come from God and that he went to God. Jesus knew all these things. He knew why he had come. He was the Passover lamb, the lamb of God that that has has come to take away the sins of the world. He just rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, signifying his kingship. The people had just shouted, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. He knew his authority, his dignity, the honor due his name, the glory due his name. So John sets this up that he's sitting here with his disciples about to give his life for their, for their sins. Knowing who he is and what he has come to do. And not only is just spending his last hours with them but now looking at this group of disciples who had walked in they're in the, the upper room it wasn't even their room, it was a borrowed room walked in with their dirty feet and sat down. They didn't wash their own feet or no one washed their feet for them. Came in, they sat down and 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 Jesus gets up from the table and lays aside his garments. And so, you know, he takes off his, you know, in, in our vernacular, he take off his coat, rolled up his sleeves, so to speak. He, he took off his garments and laid them aside, took off his clothes and wrapped himself in a towel the manner of a servant. He, he, he's laid aside his, his garments and now he's clothed and dressed like a servant, wrapped himself up in a towel. And he walks over And he pours some water in in a bowl, in a basin. And he stoops down before the disciples. And which one he went to first doesn't matter. But he bowed down to one of the disciples and washed their feet. Took their dirty, stinky feet and washed them in water. Then with the towel that he had, he had girded himself with, wiped their feet with, with the towel and went on to the next one. Now that's why I think the first three verses are important. Knowing who he was and what he had come to do and loved his own in the world. He loved them to the end. Stoop down to wash the disciples' feet. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2, and we'll start reading verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why did he not think it robbery to be equal with God? Well, because Jesus is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. That's why he didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God, because he was God. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to, unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. The foot washing sort of mirrors what Jesus came to do in his person. He knew who he was he knew where he came from. Being in the form of God, the express image of the person of God, he thought not robbery to be equal with God because he was God. And the reason Paul says that is because he says he he mirrors that in verse 7 and 8 being in the form of a servant was made in the likeness in the fashion of man being found in the fashion of a man. So what Paul is saying just as Jesus was truly man he was also truly God. And, And God the word made flesh dwelt among us did not Take off his robes of deity and stop being God for a time. He didn't take off his deity and lay it aside. There's some people who will say that, and some versions of the Bible make it seem that way. But this is this is the gist of the way that um, the King James has it is the gist of what, what it says. He made himself of no reputation. He didn't empty himself of his deity but he laid down his dignity and his divine prerogatives. Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing that he came from the Father, knowing his his honor and his glory and the glory glory due his name, that men should worship him and love him and adore him, knowing that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, laid aside his, his divine prerogative. He was still God. He's still truly God. But he laid down his divine prerogatives. And just like Jesus took off his outer garments and put on the towel in the form of a servant, Jesus, in the fashion of a man in the form of a servant, uh, came to humble himself for us. Jesus laid aside his royal and divine dignity... And took upon the form of a servant um, in in the likeness of of, of flesh. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the the one to whom the angels cried holy, holy, holy and worshipped in in eternity. The glory of of Jehovah, the express image of, of God, the brightness of his glory humbled himself to be born of a virgin and laid in a feeding trough. Made himself of no reputation. Humbled himself and became obedient. Made in the likeness of man the form of a servant. Jesus wasn't forced to wash the feet of his disciples. He voluntarily got up and did this lowly, Menial task because he loved his own in the world. That's what John said. Because he loved his own. He loved them until the end. He humbled himself for them. He he came to save them. He was obedient to all the suffering that a man must endure. He humbled himself to all the laws of man. He humbled himself to all the, the laws of nature, so to speak, that, that he was born of a virgin. He laid there in the manger for a, a couple hours. He, he had to be fed. He, had to, he was taught to walk in the manner of a man, in the manner of a child. He humbled himself to live um, in flesh, Obedient to all the suffering that man must suffer to be a man. uh, Obedient to all the sufferings that Christ must endure for our sins. Obedient to all the indignities that befell him in this sinful world. All the the mockings and the cursings and, and the persecution and the hatred and the variance that was showed towards him. Not to mention what is to, about to come as he makes his way towards Calvary, even here sitting with the, the betrayer. Verse 21 says, "When Jesus had thus said, whenever he says this, he was very troubled in the spirit. Why? Because one would betray him. He was obedient to all the sufferings, even death, death on the cross. So in in this spiritual way, Jesus shows by in the washing of the feet just an example of what he did for us that he came and humbled himself for us. The Lord of glory, washing feet, the Lord of glory, dying for sinners. The Lord of glory living for you and dying for you, child of God. Well, not only does this show us what Christ has done for us and the work of Christ He came to to give Himself for us, it also shows us the grace of God. Because when Jesus came to Peter in verse 6, Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Like, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? You, of all people, are going to wash my feet? Well, Peter didn't understand what was happening. Jesus said, what I do, thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. So Jesus says, true, Peter, you don't understand, I know you don't understand, but You'll understand just a little bit, so give us some time. Give me a minute, and I'll explain everything. What Peter needed was faith, and what Peter didn't have very much of was faith, apparently, because verse number 8, he said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Now, Peter had some false humility here. That might sound very humble. Oh, Lord, you of all people will never wash my feet. Far be it from me to allow such a thing to come to pass. You are far too great, and I'm far too humble. These other men let you wash your feet, but not me. I understand your honor and your dignity, and you'll never do that. Peter was aghast with the fact that Jesus would wash his feet, but Peter says, he was saying the dignity of Christ was too great for him to wash his lowly feet. But then he goes on to, to instruct Jesus on how wrong he is and then refuse to obey him. Now, what kind of humility is that? Oh, Lord, I'm much too humble for you to wash my feet as you said you're going to do. You just don't understand, Lord Jesus. You don't understand how wrong you are. Let me set you straight. Let me put the record straight on what you need to do and what I need to do. And because I understand because I'm so humble. Now that's a pretty messed up humility, isn't it? To be so humble that you refuse to listen to Jesus and think that you know better than he does? Well, it was a fa- it was a false humility that Peter was um, putting forth. Every year I read that for three days before Easter the Pope has a ceremony where he washes um, the feet of poor people. In fact, it's a thing in... Uh, Catholic churches, but it'd be more humble to just obey the scriptures, wouldn't it? Than to put on a show of humility. Well, Peter was saying, no, Lord, I'm far too humble for you to do that. Well, Peter wasn't humble at all because he was disobeying the Lord by not receiving what the Lord had given. People will say that they would do anything for the Lord. Well, anything but trust in Him, anything but believe upon His name. Like the king that had leprosy, they had to go dip himself in the Jordan, he would have done anything. So, I, so I don't want to go down that old dirty river and dunk in that river. I'll do anything except what the Lord tells me to do. I'll do anything except believe. Well, Peter needed Faith. Peter was wrong, and he refused what he needed. What did Peter need? He needed washed. That's what we all need. We all need washed. Not in water, but washed in Christ. Not washed in the water, but washed in the blood. And this is what Jesus was telling him. If you're not washed, you have no part in me. And so now, he's not talking about the foot washing anymore, but a representation of what he was getting at. Because the stain of sin is much dirtier than our feet ever will be. As bad as you might think it would be to, uh, to wash somebody's feet, the stain of sin is much dirtier than that ever would be. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, fornicators, nor drunk or nor idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. People who sin. They can't go into the kingdom of God. The pure, holy city. Talk about getting your carpet dirty with boys running in the house with dirty feet, muddy boots on. What would you do to the streets of gold with, with our filthy feet, right? The pure, holy, white city. We think adulterers and covetousness and effeminate. Men, drunkards or fighters you want to walk into the kingdom of God? Well, Paul said in verse 11, such were some of you sinners. That's what we are. That's what humanity is in our nature. And then we say, "Ooh, gross, when we think about the dirty feet. Well, the natural heart sin in the eyes of God is much filthier and blacker, blacker than sandaled feet are. So, what do we need? Well, Paul goes on to say in chapter verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 6 But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Paul didn't say, Yeah, those bad people, they're not going to go to heaven. They're not good like us. No, he said, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. Black and and stained with sin. But you're not anymore. Not because you're you you've done good, but because you were washed not in the waters of baptism, but by the, the blood of Christ, the washing of Christ and the washing of the word, you have been sanctified and justified, cleansed. Cleansed from all unrighteousness. And that's what he was telling Peter. If you're not washed, you have no part in me. If, if, if you're too proud... And you think you're good enough on your own, then you have no part in me because you're not. You must be washed. You must be cleansed. Well, then Peter goes on to say, Simon Peter, or he says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Well, now Peter overcorrects, and not only does he, he agrees now he needs washing, but the washing Jesus is doing is not good enough. You know, it, it reminded me. I read that this morning, thought of the Proverbs ten nineteen In and the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Peter had just been wise and just stopped talking. But the more he talked in this situation, the deeper the hole he was digging. Because now he says, All right, Lord, I understand. So don't just wash my feet, but but wash all of me. I'm a sinner. I need washed head to toe. Peter should have just trusted the Lord and. and and know the Lord was going to do what was right in the situation. Jesus said, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean clean from every whit." And ye are clean, but not all. Because he was talking about Judas. But um, So, you know, if, you're going, if you had to wash off, I mean, they didn't have bathrooms in those days and bathtubs in the house, so you know, they might go and wash and clean, and then they come back, and then their feet are going to be dirty. So you're going you to have to wash again. It's like if you go swimming in the river, you might be in the river and get mud off of you, but then you get up on the bank and your feet are dirty again as soon as you step out of the out of the water. Well, that was what Jesus was saying: that that Peter was washed, but you know, his his feet um, are are still dirty. He's, he's cleansed. And uh, Martin Luther said that the uh, devil makes sure nobody gets to heaven with clean feet. That we are still sinners. I think that's the point of verse number 10. We are pure and righteous in Christ, but we're still imperfect in the world. Notice the long suffering of Jesus here. He didn't call Peter dumb, he didn't kick Peter out for his lack of understanding but he's patient with him. And he teaches him little by little, progressively along the way, leads him little by little. J.C. Ryle said, we must not set down men as graceless and godless because they're dull, stupid, and blundering in their religion. The heart may often be quite right when the head is quite wrong. We must make allowances for the corruption of the understanding as well as the will. You must not be surprised to find that the brains as well as the affections of Adam's children have been hurt by the fall. So, Peter is kind of dull, but that doesn't mean he's godless. And that doesn't mean Jesus is going to disown him. Jesus doesn't love Peter less before he opened his mouth than after he opened his mouth. Peter is not less in Christ or less washed after his, his presumptuous words than he was before. Peter might have just said what everybody else was thinking. But this is the Lord's sanctifying work in our lives. We, we are cleansed in our standing with God, but we're still sinners. We're righteous in, in the sight of God, we have Christ's righteousness, but we're not yet perfect. See, we can never wash ourselves good enough to get clean on our own. In our sins, though they be as scarlet and red like crimson, only in the blood of Christ can they be washed white as snow. There's no amount of water that can make us clean. There's no amount of work That can make us more righteous. Peter could have went to the to the pool and he could have bathed and bathed and bathed, and as soon as he stepped out of the pool, his feet are gonna be dirty again. There'd be never enough washing that, that Peter could ever do to make himself clean. It must be a work of grace. But once we have received Christ, there's no amount of work that can make us more in Christ. Peter was not loved less after this blunder than he was before. The love of Christ is unconditional. Back to the first verse. Jesus loved his own which were in the world and he loved them to the end. We're not at the end yet. Jesus loved them to the end. Peter's about to make more than a blunder in just a few hours from now. But Jesus loved them to the end. The disciples are about to run off and hide, but He loved them to the end. The love of Christ is unconditional. But notice now that Christ tells them that He is to be their example. Follow me, not to be cleansed, but because you're clean. So in verse number 12, he says, So after he washed their feet and had taken his garments, he was set down again and said to them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye all also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Because Jesus is the master and the Lord, he humbled himself for us. Therefore, we ought not to be proud. That that is the point here. Because of what I have done for you, therefore, follow my example. And so what happens is people read this and they'll say, well, Jesus told us, to wash each other's feet and they start washing feet and then they get proud about it. I saw a sermon the other day. Someone uh, brought a man up on stage and uh, washed washed the man's feet. It was a social justice type thing. And uh, he had he went on about social justice for a while and he washed the guy's feet and he was all tore up and, and humble and sad and, and crying and everything. Well, the funny thing was they had two services. it was a big church, so they had an eight o'clock service and a ten o'clock service and uh somebody posted the other service and he did the same thing. It was a different guy it may have been the same guy actually I don't know but but he said the same thing in the first service as he did in the second you know the tears and the 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 humility it was, it was an act it was a show um that uh, a, a fake act of humility. well that's not what Jesus is talking about here he's he says and paul expounds on this that we are to follow his example so back in philippians so paul said in the form of that jesus in the form of god thought it not e- robert be equal with god made himself no reputation well why was paul talking about that well if you go back to philippians 2 verse number one he says if there be any therefore any consolation in christ any comfort of love any fellowship of the spirit and he bowels in mercies. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. This passage was what Paul, he was urging the Philippians, the church of Philippi to, to love one another. To have the mind of Christ, because there is consolation in Christ, because there is comfort in Christ, because there is fellowship in the Spirit. Let us be united in Christ. Let us be humble as Christ Himself was humble. Let us love one another as we were loved by Christ. Let us be of one mind, the mind of Christ. Let us be unified in what we have in Christ. Let us love the brethren as Christ loved us. Christ loved his disciples to the end, and he he shows it here. He loves you and I. He loves his bride. He loves his people. So it would be really ungrateful for me not to love those that Jesus loved. To follow the Lord's example here is not to, to everybody put on towels and wash each other's feet. The example here is for us to be of one mind with Him, to be humble towards one another, to love one another. I heard, uh, I heard this the other day. Somebody said, uh, To dwell above with saints we love, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, well, that's a different story. And, you know, we, we might think like that. Oh, what joy it'd be to be in heaven. With, with the glorified saints to walk with those who have no sin and to fellowship with those who can do no wrong. But what does God call us to do? Now, to live with one another. To live with those who sin, those who are presumptuous like Peter, those who we have to be long-suffering with, to be humble before. That's what the Lord has called us to do, to love one another. And he gives us an example of how he wants his people to live, to follow Christ and love him and to have joy. And that's the last thing this morning, to have joy in Christ verse 16 says verily verily i say unto you the servant is not greater than his lord neither he that sent is greater than him that sent him if ye know these things happier ye if ye do them i speak not of all you i know whom i've chosen but the scripture may be fulfilled that he that eateth bread with me and hath lifted up his heel against me now i tell you before it come that when it come to pass you may believe that i am he verily verily i say unto you he that receiveth Whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me, send, receiveth him that sent me. Now, we're not a greater, we're not greater than Jesus. And we shouldn't be the, above the example of Jesus. So he gives us an example of humility, an example of loving the brethren. And Peter said, not you, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, the Lord says, no, Peter, you need to follow my example. We're not follow Peter's example. We're follow the Lord's example. Let's not make up our own standards and live by those standards, but live by what God has called us to do. And what's He called us to do? He's called us to love the brethren. But then we find the joy of the Lord. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now. It's tempting to take that passage and cut it out from the context of the rest of the chapter and just say, well, do do the commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments, is what Jesus said. Do the commandments and, and cut it out from the context of what this chapter has already said. Yes, it is very true what Jesus said in verse 17. But it's also true in the whole context of what we just read. Jesus said there is joy in following him. Now, if you set up laws that Jesus didn't give us and try to live by those, so Jesus will love you more, that's not going to bring you joy. If you disregard what Jesus tells us and ignore those directions, that won't bring you joy either. But knowing these things and living by them bring us joy. But what is the order? Note the order. First, they were cleansed. That came first, didn't it? In my Bible, it, there's, a, there's a break in between that and verse 16 and in this section of it. You know, there's a break there to separate those, but it's all the same thing. There's no break there. First, they were cleansed. You can't keep God's law in order to win his favor. We have to be saved. We have to be cleansed by the blood of Christ. We have to be justified and, and sanctified and, and forgiven and receive his righteousness. That was the first thing. The second thing was knowing these truths. To know who Christ is. To know what Christ has done for us. To know that he came to die for us. To, to, that, he, that he lived for us. He gave us his righteousness. To know that our standing before God is secure and we have assurance in Christ. Thirdly came the doing. It's not the doing than the knowing. A lot of people um, put that backwards. If you want to have joy, then you do, and if you do, then you know, and then if you know, then you're cleansed. No, first you're cleansed, then you know, then you do. The last step is doing, and it's out of a heart of gratitude, because we've already been cleansed. We don't have to do in order to be cleansed. We were, we were cleansed first. And then we know, and then, then we do. That's why There's joy. It's joy in doing as a son, not a slave. Now, Jesus, did, in verse 18, wasn't talking about everybody that was sitting there because he knew that Judas was there and Judas wasn't cleansed. So, no amount of knowing and no amount of doing would have made Judas happy. He can't have joy because he wasn't cleansed. <clears throat> this section was given for the comfort of the saints. There's joy in Christ. There's joy in the service of Christ. And Christ comforts them about Judas. And he says, I'm I'm telling these things about Judas because I want you to have faith in me. In verse 19, that you may believe that I am he. Don't worry about, don't get discouraged or, or lose heart because of Judas, he's going to betray but just, I'm telling you this now so that you'll have faith in me. And Christ comforts by reminding them that in the master's servants, they're going to be they're his ambassadors. They might be rejected, but it's because of those who rejected Christ. If they're received, it's on account of Christ's message. If they're rejected, it's on account of Christ's message. So he speaks this to give them joy. You've been cleansed and now go and follow me. Three days before Easter, like I said, Roman Catholics have a foot washing ceremony and there's a liturgy of what they have to do, whose feet to wash, what they're supposed to say, how they're supposed to do it. It's law. Do this and live. That's law. Why do they do it? Not because they want to, because they have to, because it's, it's the law. The Pope said they had to. They perform the letter, but not the spirit of what Jesus is saying. He was instructing us here to follow Him in humility and to love the brethren. Why? Because He loved His own. that were in the world and He loved to the end. Because He humbled Himself. Our Lord humbled Himself for us. Let us humble ourselves for one another. Our Lord came to this rotten, sin-cursed, filthy earth, full of sin, that we might have everlasting life, and eternal life. He loved us. Let us love our brothers. Let us love one another. Out of heart of gratitude for what he's done for us. I pray that the Lord...